I have been lucky. Lucky in those who were around me from the boardroom to the dressing room. In time of stress, their unstinted support, unbroken devotion to our club and calmness in adversity eased the task of making Rangers Football Club the premier club in this country. To be a Ranger is to sense the sacred trust of upholding all that such a name means in the shrine of football. They must be true to their conception of what the Ibrox tradition seeks from them. No true ranger has ever failed in the tradition set him. Our very success, gained you will agree by skill, will draw more people than ever to see it. And that will benefit many more clubs than rangers. Let the others come after us. We welcome the chase. It is healthy for us. We will never hide from it. Never fear. Inevitably, we shall have our years of failure. And when they arrive, we must reveal tolerance and sanity. No matter the days of anxiety that come our way, we shall emerge stronger because of the trials to be overcome. That has been the philosophy of the Rangers since the days of the gallant pioneers. Hello and welcome to the History of Rangers in 100 Objects on This Is Ibrooks. I'm your host, Tommy McIntyre, and in this new bite-sized series, I'll be looking to tell the history of our club through some known and some unknown items. So, thank you so much for joining me. Let's get started. Now, I can't imagine there are many Rangers fans that don't know the name Bill Struth, one of Scottish football's most successful managers in his own right, and uh, a Rangers icon. Led the club for 34 years between 1920 and 1954, as well as being a, a holder of you know lots of other uh, positions within the club, including being a, a director, you know, amassing along the way 18 league championships, 10 Scottish Cups, 2 League Cups, 7 wartime championships, 19 Glasgow Cups, 17 Glasgow Merchant Charity Cups, and a host of other interwar year honours, such as seven wartime championships, which the club don't uh, include in their official numbers, and neither they should given the circumstances. Now, the speech you heard at the start of the episode uh, was delivered by Mr Struth, and it's pretty synonymous with, with him and with Rangers. Although you would be forgiven for hearing a certain Churchillian quality in it, uh, I certainly do. What might be less well known is where and when that speech was delivered. It was actually delivered at a gala dinner held by the Lord Provost of Glasgow um, at the time, Thomas Kerr, in honour of Mr Struth. And it was attended by Glasgow luminaries, uh, including the likes of Celtic's Willie Maley. This is in May 1953. Now, I uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, times they have changed and I can't imagine Glasgow City Council uh, hosting a gala dinner for uh, a Rangers manager or any Rangers employee. It's hard enough just trying to get a pitch booked uh, on a match day. But let's be, let's be moving on. Because it's at this dinner that Mr Struth and it was a gift to Mr Struth, not the club initially. But it's at this gala dinner that Mr Struth delivers the speech, but also where he is gifted 
the object which is the focus of this episode. Now, you may have seen the object in the Ibrox Trophy Room or in pictures uh, of it. You may have been lucky enough to stand in front of it, as, as I have on a few occasions. It is, of course, the famous oil painting, uh, and an oil painting of an elder Mr. Struth in repose, seated in the Blue Room, one of his famed number one blue suits on, which were always made to, to measure, um, such was his uh, sharp dressing and sartorial elegance at the time that the media dubbed him the Beau Brummel um, in reference to an 1800s Regency court fashionista, so quite clearly the sharpest dressed man in town. But it's also a Bill Struth who had lived through a lot by this point in time, both personally through the war years and at his time at the club. One of his first um, acts when he stepped up from being a trainer, so he'd been a trainer at the club, he'd also been a physio uh, as well, to be manager. Um, he turned up on his first day again in one of those um, famed suits, bowler hat on. He stopped the local newspaper press photographers at the club and asked for his photo to be taken. Uh, upon them doing so, he gently reminded, and I can only imagine what a Bill Struth gentle reminder would have sounded like, but he gently reminded them that since he had stepped up from being trainer to manager, they should only use the new photo of him, as that was uh, how a Rangers manager should be seen. So it's a, it's a small example of really early uh, standard setting, um, and I just cannot uh, find any evidence whether he was wearing brown brogues at the time or not of that conversation. But let's go back to the object in hand, the portrait itself. As I said before, like me, you may have been lucky enough to stand underneath it, uh, and it is highly uh, intimidating uh, with the, the icy blue eyes which seem to follow you around the room and judge you and uh, try and look through you to what your real worth is. It's a large, oversized piece of art, composite, curved, uh, and carved frame which um, draws uh, a, a lot of the eye as well and it's also set as it is in the trophy room at the moment against the 54 mini league championship flags there is a weight to the to the entire setup there but there's certainly a weight from the portrait itself um, what it means to be uh, the manager of that club and the legacy um, and the the iconography of it is, uh, is, is hard to miss it certainly has taken my breath away every time I, I, I've seen it. I would also take this opportunity to say if you get the chance in the future, make sure you do the Ibrooks tour and spend some time in the trophy room or looking at the portrait. And also, if you get the chance, make sure you take part in the Founders tour as well, both of which would be highly recommended. But just to go back to, to that point, if you're doing either of those tours, spend some time just looking at the portrait itself because it's a highly enjoyable piece of art for its own right but it has so much history imbued uh, inside it and I'll, but i think along with the confidence of everything won on the field under his stewardship and the dominance achieved there is also a weariness uh, and perhaps a worry on his face because at the time this portrait was 
completed. This is a Rangers in a moment of transition. A change of an era. Or if you like your modern terminology, regime change. Because less than 12 months after the portrait was handed over, the name on the Rangers manager's door wouldn't read Bill Struth. It would read Scott Simon. So I think inside Mr Struth, he knew his tenure uh, of the club, the club that he'd given his life to, loved, was drawing somewhat to a close. So I, I think there's a, a tenseness and a sadness in there, and there's certainly got to have been a sense of, of loss, but maybe, again, of apprehension, because Rangers were about to enter uncharted and perhaps choppy waters, because Mr Struth wouldn't be the helm. Here's Rangers historian David Mason. It had various illnesses all related to his legs um, and mainly related to his legs. So he was, he was very poorly. Uh, he was really struggling. He, I mean, he knew himself. He wanted to he wanted to retire. I did see a letter that he actually wrote to the board. He did actually write the board and, and say, you know, effectively, I think we should be looking for somebody else and assist me. So... Um, I, and and also he said he had, he, he, I can't remember how it was worded, I've, I've, I've written it somewhere, um, he had identified a guy who, he didn't mention who the guy was, but I'm pretty sure it was Simon at that time. So so he had raised it at board meetings, in fact, I don't think it was a letter, I think it was actually a board minute. He had actually raised the, the board meeting that um, at the time had kind of come, but they didn't seem to grasp onto that. I don't know whether they felt that they didn't have the right man um, to replace him. Maybe it felt it was a bit premature. But Scott Simon really just in the start of his own career. I don't know whether that was what precipitated it, but, but certainly the, the board didn't seize upon the opportunity to move him on. Um, but uh, so he was, the pressure was actually coming from him rather than the other way. You know, you think of Bill Struth and you only think of, about him as being one age almost. Uh, but but he was, he was an old man by any standards, even by modern standards when people start to live old, you know, to longer, longer years. So yeah. Very close to his final years, of course. I mean, he died in 1956, so he was only a few years off his, his death. So he would, um, he was, he was getting tired and, and uh, and struggling and getting the agitation for the fans and the and the letters in the in the press, the letters to the club as well, um, talking about the how poor the club was and how the transfers were wrong and all that. So as an old man who'd done it all, to sit there and have to take that and probably not have the answers by that time, you know, probably thinking, you know, this is maybe going to get a period of rebuilding. It's it's understandable that he would think, you know, the times for me to move over. So he had pretty high standards and the standards were all based upon what is right and how this should be done and, and what's sensible, whatever, and all falling through the maximum, uh, which I, I mentioned in, uh, in, in previous discussions, that, um, that only the best was good enough for Rangers. So I think when, when you get to a stage and you find that it's, you know, the, the, only the best is good enough for the club, but you can't deliver that and you may be struggling to deliver it, then I think he... Being the kind of character I think he was, he probably felt, well, the right thing for me to do is to, 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 to step back now. So uh, so the time, the time of the painting was, was really poignant. 
um, May 53 thereabouts, mm. right in the middle of, of some of the worst illnesses he had. So it was, you know, the, I don't know who came up with whether it was Thomas Kerr or whatever, came up with the, the idea of the painting, but, it, but it, was, it was good because it gave him a chance to see that being erected and, um, or, or at least put, displayed before he, he finally passed on. I mean, the ironic thing is, he never, he never saw it hanging in the trophy room, for example, because there wasn't a, there wasn't a trophy room at that time. There were illnesses uh, to Mr. Struth, including a partial leg amputation and an unrelated fall at Celtic Park uh, after an old firm game. There was also undoubtedly in his mind, if the standards that he had imbued in the club would stick, like in modern terminology, you would call that key man dependency. A great anecdote from behind the scenes uh, of Mr Struth's tenure would be his attempt to sign uh, Greenock Morton's Tommy Orr when he found out that uh, Orr's agent wanted a slice of the transfer fee. He had him chucked out. Uh, I think many many uh, club managers, uh, certainly club chairmen and accountants, would sympathise with that, although I doubt we'll see a return to the game where agents were uh, just bit part players as opposed to uh, engineering moves these days. But it's symptomatic of the standards that Bill Struth had set. The dress and how Rangers staff and supporters should comport themselves, winning relentlessly on the field, the integrity of how we do our business. These are all formative things that we grow up with as Rangers fans. It's our pride and our prestige and our club and it's all bound up together and it's one of the biggest legacies that Bill Struth has left us with. In 1951, about, so that's about two years before the portrait is produced, Mr Struth had actually asked the board to bring in a replacement that he could train up to take over for him, uh, a succession planning if you like, and Scott Simon was in the frame but the board turned that down at this point so there was some forward thinking from Mr Struth in terms of he knew his time was coming to an end well before uh, the portrait as well and although the 1952-53 league championship had been captured this was a period of time where Rangers were in decline uh, and the league championship wouldn't find its way back home to Ibrox until the 55-56 season. It's also at this point in time when the portrait is produced that Rangers are sitting eight points behind Queen of the South for top of the league. Uh, there's a 6 0 Scottish Cup semi final defeat uh, off of Aberdeen. There are headlines in the newspapers the affairs of the Rangers Football Club, strongly worded letters uh, to newspapers from fans. I think these days that would be tweets on Twitter or comments on. Uh, Instagram or God forbid uh, Rangers fans doing podcasts to talk about the club uh, directors are also being booed at games uh, or in the street and I have to say no amount of research that I was able to complete for this podcast let me know if the directors ever appeared in a gazebo on the pitch but this is all fairly modern in terms of the club's recent history so we can understand what generally happens when those types of things uh, are, are in the water so to speak so let's fast forward to the pivotal moment. 1-0 up at Ibrox against East Fife. Full-time, Rangers 1, East Fife 2. 
it is mere weeks later that Mr. Struth goes back to the bold uh, to again say this is maybe the right time to bring in an assistant to help train me up. My time's coming to an end. The name Scott Simon is floated again. This time the bold accept. So I think the portrait has all that bound up within it because it has to have been incredibly difficult for Mr. Struth. His legacy, the type of man he was, it was all coming to an end. Yes, he would he'd go upstairs, he'd become a director and help support the club as best he could, but his name wouldn't be on the manager's doors any, uh, door anymore. He wouldn't be leading the day-to-day of the club. And the Rangers manager's job isn't one that comes along frequently. It's why it's the most prestigious football job in the country. Here's David Mason again. It's hard to, to see beyond Bill Struth as being the most significant character. And the reason I say that, and bearing in mind, he didn't come into the club until 40 years after its formation, when it was already pretty well established and great characters and great players had played for the club over that period. But I think that what we look at nowadays, and we've talked about it, you know, you you know, look up at that painting and, you, you know, you wonder if you're doing things right or whatever, or you're, you're dressed properly or whatever. Um, he set the standards for probably everybody that goes into iBooks nowadays, whether you're a fan or an employee or a player or whatever, in that you've got um, you've got to be well-dressed, you've got to be respect, respectful all the time. Um, and importantly, you're walking into the main stand and he's the only one, um, you know, of that vintage that went through it. You what know, we know to be Rangers Football Club is that edifice, which is the, great, the, is the main stand. So every Rangers fan, there might be some, you know, well into the 90s who, who, who can remember it not being there. But, uh, but you know, you have to be pretty old to be to be at that stage. So every Rangers fan will only think of Rangers as being that main stand and he was so integral to the construction of that. And so when you think of Rangers, you think of the main stand. And for me, and it is a Bill Truth main stand, because that was a, the final uh, opportunity to uh, to honour him. Um, for me, he is the he is Mr. Rangers, effectively, because he represents everything that the, the club is, is about. Uh, so his main, uh, his, main, his main catchphrase, if you want to call it, or his main... Uh, um, Statement about the club, um, his mantra, if you want, is only the only the best is good enough for Rangers. That's that's what we live by. That's that's what the club tries to achieve at all times. So, in that sense, yeah, I think he's got it, man. He's the he's the biggest character in the game. Again, next time you're in the trophy room or you haven't seen pictures, I would ask you to think on that. Think on all of that success bound up in a single man. All that institutional drive, taking Rangers forward, making it the premier club of the country, setting those standards, and what it must have been like for Bill Struth to know that he was leaving that all behind. It's an incredibly difficult moment for him personally. It's a pivotal moment for him personally, and it's got to have been something that he wrestled with. But also, the club has to keep moving forward, and... As we, as a as a club, embark on a new era, 
and we come close to our 150th anniversary. It's important that we make sure that yes, we look forward, but we know exactly where we've come from and what our history is. Here's a final comment from David Mason. I was down at uh, the training ground, um, I think maybe about a couple of years ago, something like that, a year and a half, I was I was st- just standing in the reception and I was waiting on somebody coming through, I can't remember who it was. Um, and there was maybe three or four people mulling around the reception. And I hadn't really paid much attention to who they were. And on the wall at the reception, uh, uh, the professional part of the, the reception, they've got um, they've got a speech, a speech and explaining the background, etc. And I was conscious of this guy in the left to the left of me, you know, just kind of left over my shoulder, standing looking at it. I'm looking that way towards the towards the reception, chatting to the guy at the reception. This guy behind me looking at that and I, and after I finished the guys who's who's standing reading through this also speech and it was Stephen Gerrard <laughs> Stephen himself uh, and so it gave me the opportunity to to say to him whatever and explain the background to it. and I actually gave him a copy of the book and uh, I, I don't know if he's read it yet but I gave him a copy of Mr. Truth the Boss um, and uh, and I spoke to him. I, I did see him in the in the, the manager's office one time. I can't remember when. It, yeah, I know he was in or around or whatever. And I think I was talking to him. And I, I said, "Come on, I do this and whatever." Um, and he he's a guy who shows a real genuine interest in the history of the club and the background to the club. By likes of Bill Struth, so he's absorbed in that. So thank you for joining me on this very first episode, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Please get in touch to let me know what you think or indeed to let me know about any specific objects that you think I should be covering as well. You can get me on Twitter at Tommy in Glasgow. That's Tommy in Glasgow. I'd also highly recommend uh, The Boss, uh, the biography by David Mason and Ian Stewart, which is available on all good bookstores or or Amazon, uh, all about Mr. Struth. It's a fantastic read and has some great insights into the man himself so give that a check out as well this has been the history of rangers in 100 objects i've been tommy mcintyre and this is ibrox bye for now